Grief Stories is not a crisis resource. Please seek support from a qualified professional in your area to meet your unique emotional and medical needs. You are listening to the Grief Stories podcast. I'm your host, Maureen Pollard, a social worker with an interest in helping people find hope and healing when someone they love has died. In each episode, you'll hear a real person sharing their story of loss and the insights they have gained that help them on their journey with grief. At Grief Stories, we're helping grief make sense one story at a time. Today's guest is Sam, who lost his father to neuroendocrine cancer about two and a half years ago. So welcome to the Grief Stories podcast. Sam, how are you today? I'm good. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Good. Oh, thanks for joining us. Sam, uh, we, we always ask guests to share their story of loss to begin the podcast. So if you wouldn't mind, would you share your story with us today? Yeah, definitely. Um, so about, uh, man, it seems so long ago, but only two and a half years ago, um, I lost my father to neuroendocrine cancer. And um, the story is, is a little bit <laughs> uh, more of a roller coaster of emotion than that. Um, about three years ago now, uh, I, my dad, uh, let us know that he had been diagnosed with prostate cancer. And of course, when, you know, any loved one that, that you deeply care about tells you about a, a cancer diagnosis, that's a, a shock to the system. Um, and so, you know, just the nature of prostate cancer, it is a, a pretty treatable cancer if it's caught early. So my dad did, you know, went through all the motions of, um, radiation and, and chemotherapy and other kinds of, of treatment for his prostate cancer. And about, I don't know, 10 months to a year post um, diagnosis, he had actually been given the clear that he had ultimately, you know, as best as you can beat beaten prostate cancer. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, of course that's, that's the opposite. It's, it's a wonderful emotion and you're happy that, uh, you know, this person can, can live a fulfilling, a great, life to the best of their ability um and then i live in toronto and he lives uh, he he lives with my mom in uh in uh, western new york so he came to visit with my mom uh one weekend and he had a lot of back pain just like pretty severe back pain and um we didn't really think anything of it you know my dad is a you know a, a, not elderly but uh, an older guy and so we thought that was just you know to do with his age and exercise and things like that but um mm-hmm. He went back home and went to see the doctor about it. And uh, long story short, he was diagnosed with a second uh, form of, of cancer, which was neuroendocrine cancer, uh, specifically to his liver. Um, so he had tumors all over his liver, essentially. And then from that diagnosis, the date of his death was seven weeks. Um, so we had almost no time to prepare for this uh, second diagnosis. And, you know... It's one that um, unfortunately takes over the body as well as the mind. So my father deteriorated very quickly. Mm. Um, and that in itself had a profound effect on <laughs> on our family and, and, and me, of course, because my dad was this incredibly lively, vivacious, passionate, wonderful person. And to kind of see him in, you know, the most vulnerable state you can be was was a lot. So, yeah, that's. That's my story of, of, of losing my dad. Wow. So you go from this 
relatively treatable type of cancer. You go through that experience as a family and then you have a celebration because he's in the clear and then suddenly out of nowhere comes this back pain and then the subsequent diagnosis and then a really rapid decline over seven weeks before he passed away. And what a roller coaster. You were right. You used that word, I think, at the very beginning, right? Is that idea yeah. of this roller coaster and and I'm unbelievable. Um, you know, what were some of the challenges for you in your grief as you went through that experience? Um, well, I mean, the challenges that came to me um, are not, I mean, for me, I was raised very privileged, to be honest. I had a wonderful childhood. And for the most part, my mental health was never something I had to be too concerned about. Um, and this was the very first incredibly impactful, dramatic, traumatic experience that I'd ever, I'd ever gone through. Um, so the biggest challenge for me was grief in general and these brand new emotions I had never had to deal with. You, of course, have a sense of empathy and you have friends and family that go through things and you know what it, what it looks like from the outside, but it is a completely different story when you experience them for yourself for the first time. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah. I had the, I had the classic symptoms of, of depression where I isolated myself and I was in my room forever, but wasn't sleeping, um, just <laughs> lying there. And when I was sleeping, I would sleep until 2 p.m. and um, wasn't eating enough and, and things like that. And I kind of just, um, it's funny because I was, I was conscious of what I was doing um, in that I was, I know I was keeping people at bay. I didn't really want to talk about it. Uh -huh. um, and that's not who I am as a person. I, I you, as you can probably tell, I love to talk and 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 mm -hmm. I do it. Yeah, <laughs> I do yeah. it often. Um, so that was incredibly out of the ordinary for me. Yeah, um, grief really took you out of character into this low place yeah. of sadness as the as the personal factors of grief hit you with this personal loss. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and um, that kind of came in waves for of you know at least the first six months to a year after my dad's passing. And I was able to eventually, you know, function and return to work and things like that. But I'm also someone who, uh, this sounds like I'm hyping myself up, but I, I, I take pride that I'm a usually funny and, and energetic kind of person. And I just didn't have that. I didn't have the energy to, to do. I didn't have the capacity to help other people laugh when it was hard for me to feel that way. Right. So you could go back to work, but you weren't yourself. You exactly. Weren't, you weren't yourself emotionally or even probably, you know, in terms of um, being intellectually on top of things. Sometimes it probably felt like that was a foggy area, too. Definitely. Yeah. I remember going back to work and um, I'm very passionate about the sector I work in, the nonprofit sector and the job I was at at the time. I remember being, when I first started it, very excited about it. And when I came back, I had just lost all of my passion and, and drive. And I think that was probably because my dad was, a, you know, a quote unquote champion of the nonprofit sector for 45 years of his life. And one of the reasons I got into that sector in the first place was his guidance and, and his example. And I think when I lost my dad, it was very, very hard to find that passion again, because he's someone who would understand, you know, anything mm -hmm. you go through in that yeah. job. Yeah, I lost a lot of um, professional drive in that sense. 
And your your professional passion was driven by the personal experience of your dad's passion. And so I could see where those would be linked and how um, your your own passion about work would suffer is as you experience that traumatic and dramatic loss of that role model that he was. Exactly. Yeah. And just even having, you know, him as a, a constant guiding light, if you will, um, someone to mm-hmm. relate to who would know what I'm talking about with me without me having to give a backstory and explain it. And then, you know, obviously I was back then I was even younger than I am now. And I was still I was still coming up against some some barriers for the first time in my life that he helped me clear. And all of a sudden, I mean, this is my mom's also a wonderful person and, and can guide me. But he obviously was in that sector for just an incredibly long time and and our my relationship is a bit different with my mom than it is with my dad and so it felt like mm-hmm. i was a little bit um uh alone for lack of a better word mm-hmm. well i mean our relationship with each parent is often quite different and they they give us different things and so what you were needing was the things that your dad had given you in his mentorship and example and your mom's mentorship and example would have been quite different i i presume um and and you still had her so that absence of your dad's presence was uh, really powerful exactly yeah that's the right way to put it for sure yeah yeah. So it sounds like it was a, a really difficult time. And it was even though you were functioning back to work, you were really working hard to put one foot in front of the of, of the other every day. Um, what what helped you come through that um, come through? Because I can hear passion in your voice talking about, you know, the fact that you're still in the nonprofit sector and and you do work now that you really feel strongly about. So what helped you come through that really difficult time to where you are now? Well, there are a couple of things that um, really helped. Um, and and what and only one of them is actually from my own volition. Um, so the biggest thing that helped for my initial sort of, you know, that, I don't know, uh, three to six month period after my dad's death, the biggest, biggest thing that really helped me see a bit more clearly and maybe come a little bit more back to who I used to be, um, was that I have an incredible, um, support system in my, my best friend who, uh, you know, I've known him for eight or nine years now and at the time you know five or six or whatever it was and he uh is a social worker by trade and and um I never thought that his uh his expertise would come in handy for me personally but it wasn't (laughs) just that he's this wonderful um guy who can put aside everything else that uh, is going on in his life and he dropped everything for me to check in on me even when I thought I didn't need it um in the moment in the moment it felt like he was annoying me um but I realize now sort of looking back on it that him you know whether it was a text or a call or FaceTime whatever it was he was checking in on me every single day um just to keep you know my head above the surface and looking back on it now I'm just immensely grateful for him as a person and so his ability yeah. to show up and and just be caring and present and not expect any more of you than you could give was exactly. really instrumental in that first um three to six months after your dad died 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he and it wasn't uh, it wasn't just then too. He he's he kept it up <laughs> ever since, and and he still does. And we now have we've always been best friends, but we now have an even more special relationship in that you know. I, I yeah. don't know a lot of guys who have who have male best friends who talk on the phone three to four hours yeah. every other day, you know, then yeah. that's, <laughs> yeah, and that's it's just that kind of a bond that you have. And it sort of grew from that. Uh, I mean, it was strong before. And that experience of him showing up for you in that really tangible, practical way has just deepened the bond. Exactly. Yeah. And I th that leads me sort of to my second thing that is of my own volition is that when I looked back on those conversations I had with uh, his name is Will, my, my friend Will and with my mom and a couple other family members, I looked back on that. And, and the only thing that really helped me process the grief and, and other emotions that I was going through was talking about my dad and talking about not necessarily the last moments of his life, but his incredible achievements and, and other wonderful memories I have of him. Um, and so now I make sure that, cause you know, the grief and the waves of depression don't stop. They become better and they become smaller, but I still deal with it around milestones of, of you know, um, his passing or his birthday or things like that. And when I, those emotions come up, the thing I do uh, of my own volition is is I make sure that I'm, open about it and make sure I tell people what I'm going through and, and what I'm okay. feeling. Um, yeah, and you just, you just been, acknowledge, yeah, those, yeah. those, the power of those days, those milestone days and moments, right. And by acknowledging them, it lets people in a little bit and it, it eases, you're not carrying it alone when you do that. Exactly. And, and I think what I was certainly of this mindset, but I think a lot of people still are, is that you be, you seem like a burden or like you're, uh, you know, a, a trouble to someone. And I certainly thought that. But then as mm -hmm. soon as I started opening up to these these people in, in my life, it becomes very evident that they care about you and they want to talk about whatever is bothering you. And in, the, in this example, it's, you know, my, my father's passing and how immense that is to me. Um, mm -hmm. So it was a really, really you know, an awful traumatic experience you never wish on anyone. But what came in the wake of it was some very genuine connections to people in my life now. Mm -hmm. You know, primarily that will in the beginning, but also your mom. And it sounds like a number of other people in your network are available and able to stay with you while you talk about both your feelings of grief and sadness and loss, but also as you remember the best parts of your dad's story. Yeah. yeah, and I, th I, th I think even more on a tangible level, the other thing I do now is, and I never did before, is I just, I write down memories whenever I think of them. Um, I started doing that in the hospital uh, mm -hmm. when I was with my with my dad, and that was a lot. <laughs> and then I didn't look at that, I didn't look at that journal for months, probably maybe even a year after his passing. And now I use it as sort of a, a therapeutic experience in that I'm writing down things I'm feeling or, or memories that have come up randomly that I remember. And that has been really, really beneficial for my mental health as well. Nice. Do you find yourself writing more about positive memories or sometimes about some of the harder memories that you have um, or a little bit of both? Definitely both. Yeah. Um, because like I said, I, I have I was very lucky to have a wonderful childhood and I have amazing memories of, of my dad and, and uh, my parents together. Um, but then it's, and this is sort of where it loops back into the whole piece is you can't ignore the, um, the, the really hard feelings around my dad's 
passing, seeing him like that was yeah. something that sticks with you forever. And to sort of shove that under the, the rug, uh, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but it, it, it was unhealthy for me um, to okay. not even acknowledge those. So yeah, there's some memories in that, in that journal where I've talked about how I felt when I saw my dad hooked up to a respirator or I saw him in pain and, and things like that. And um, I think those are very important to acknowledge. And it turns out I was right. <laughs> it, it, yeah. It was, it was. yeah. Yeah. You're getting some relief by writing about those painful things too. Exactly. And and not just focusing on the positives and the happy, because, you know, when we sweep things under the rug, it just makes the rug bumpy and then we trip on it. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly, it's, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's also taking those things out from under the corner of the rug and shining a little light on them, um, which makes it a little more familiar, a little easier to carry because you're getting used to it. These really difficult memories too. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's important to acknowledge the entire person and not just little, mm -hmm. little bits of them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that also then allows your pain to be present and acknowledged. You know, um, a lot of times we try to be strong and carry on and we think that being strong means that um, we don't, we don't have pain. Um, and, and, you know, from my perspective, um, being strong is actually, you know, allowing yourself to feel the pain when you need to and then being with it and then figuring out a way to ease it um that is is helpful and hopeful and and not hurting anybody right and so you've been able to do that both in the conversations that you've had with the people who show up in your life so steadily for you um but also through this writing process that you found that has really allowed you to be with your whole self about your whole dad's experience your dad's whole experience exactly it's you know it, it takes a it takes a village if you will to <laughs> to help yeah. help get through things and I, i'm sure there are other things i do right that you know help help with um uh, sorry, help around those specific times where my emotions tend to be a lot stronger than, than they are on a, on a daily basis. And a lot of that is, again, just making sure I'm present with my mom and, and the rest of my family who also went through, um, you know, losing, losing my dad. Um, <laughs> and even more recently, I've started to share what I, cause like normally, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll talk about anything <laughs> essentially. And, and I'll talk about this, <laughs> very openly with my, my family, but I didn't tell anyone I was writing things down until, I don't know, maybe just a few months ago, like very recently. Okay. Um, so that's something I've been sharing and, and my mom hadn't shared with me either that she was also doing that. <laughs> so ah. um, we really came together on that as well. And we haven't gone as far as to share exactly what we've written down, but it has led to some specific memories and specific conversations where we've bonded a bit more on that too. Nice, nice. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, whether you ever actually share the journals, sometimes people just share a small piece of it, what they've written, right. something that feels poignant and, um, you know, uh, worthy of sharing with someone specific. And and other times, people never share the actual writing ever. It's really just their own processing. You know, definitely. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's such a personal experience. But then what a beautiful thing to recognize that you and your mom have a kind of a parallel process happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought it was really, really serendipitous. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah. And it's those kind of moments that also sometimes I find help us turn towards hope, 
right? And that healing, that feeling of um, that sometimes we're able to find where things are right in the world again. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's sort of the sentiment to carry through <laughs> uh, all of this is that it was the most traumatic experience of my life uh, so far. Hopefully, hopefully that stays true. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, it was terrible for a while. Yeah. Like there's no way of sugarcoating that for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's only been two and a half years since my dad's passing and just the immense difference of <laughs> October 2020 as opposed to October 2019 is vast. Uh -huh. Um in terms of where I've where I've been and where I've come to in in processing those emotions and then dealing with them and and being okay with something that happened that I have to live with, right? <laughs> um, and like I said in the beginning, it comes in waves, but those waves do become smaller and they become fewer and further in between. Um, yeah, and I I feel like sometimes what happens is we get to know when the waves will be there most of the exactly. time. You know, I mean we there are such a thing as rogue waves and they happen in grief too, where something <laughs> totally. will come across, come over you all at once. But a lot of times as time goes on, we know when the waves will be and we can sort of um, uh, hold ourselves a little ready for them, take a little extra care with ourselves and, and uh, um, weather the wave, so to speak. Right. So yeah. when you say, when you say rogue waves, you mean just some random, uh incident or memory that may trigger a thought yeah so yeah that's okay yeah. yeah that's exactly right that's what i'm that's yeah. what i'm saying like as a well. to me a rogue wave of grief happens when you find yourself in the cereal aisle and you're crying because you're looking at their favorite box of cereal and <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you, you don't really like that cereal but it makes you think of them and you weren't expecting that that day right you exactly know? Yeah. yeah yeah that's yeah, no, that's a wonderful analogy for sure. Especially because my dad loved cereal for some reason. So that's oh. <laughs> yeah, that, that's perfect. There you yeah. go, right? And so it's all and 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 you, when you went in to get uh, milk, you weren't expecting that feeling to come over you. It's not like a milestone anniversary where you you know the date is coming and you plan for it and and you do those kinds of things. Those cereal box moments kind of jump out at you now and again. Definitely, yeah. I think. In a way, those those uh, obviously they come with a whole sort of uh, pile of emotions, but a lot of that is, I to me, it's happened a few times already, and and with some different TV show or whatever it was, and um, it makes you sad for sure to remember that person. But at the same time, I don't really want those kind of reminders to go away. I you know I like that there's still things that I don't remember that are surprising me, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And making, making me think of of. My dad, I think I think that's great. Obviously, they come with a bit of complexity in, in dealing with the you know the, the sad reminder, but also that it is it is a hopeful piece that 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 person is still with you in, in one way or another. Yeah, well, it's sort of a way of holding on to that love and the bond, you know, and um, it feels like um, the in time as you get more used to, more adapted to the idea of their loss, those moments are less painful and more um, poignant. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story of loss with us and the things that have helped you face the challenges of grief. And um, our hope is always that uh, listeners will hear a story that helps them feel hope when they're trying to find their own way through a loss. So thank you for for coming onto the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. 
thank you for listening to the Grief Stories podcast. I'm your host, Maureen Pollard. Please remember that grief is universal, but every person's experience of grief is unique. While our interviews are intended to help listeners feel validation and reassurance, we know that this story might be different from your own. Please visit our website, griefstories.org, for more stories of hope and healing.